We did it, guys. We did it. It's finally here. <sighs> Football is finally back. It is September 7th, Thursday, and in a couple of hours, depending on when you're listening to this, and the game may have already happened if you're listening to this on Friday or thereafter, but today is September 7th, and NFL football is officially back. The reigning champs, New England Patriots, will be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs tonight, and it's going to be a great game. But before we dive into the Pyro Pulse podcast with me, the heartbeat, I want to give a, uh, a quick shout out to our friends down south, specifically down in Florida and in the Caribbean as this Hurricane Irma starts to hit. We've already seen destruction down in Texas, primarily in Houston, but in that whole surrounding state. Um, and we really just want to give our thoughts and prayers out to the people in the Caribbean and Florida because this looks like it's going to be one of the worst hurricanes of all time. It's a Category 5 hurricane, which is the highest that it can be. So we obviously want to give out our thoughts and prayers. Just like Hurricane Harvey, every single dollar donated is appreciated. These people, we don't know what the destruction will be. It could turn off last second, and that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that it just goes off into the Atlantic, but we do not know. So we want to give our thoughts and prayers out to the people of Florida. But now, let's turn to music. And guess what you guys will be hearing shortly? Here is the Thursday night theme song from NBC. It is good to have football back. I'm sure everyone agrees with me on that. Uh, Before we dive into the data, I want to just give you guys an outline of what the uh, this upcoming season should look like on a weekly basis. So we're we're going to get more into a routine here at Pyro, and this is what that routine is going to look like on a podcast front. So we have this podcast, the Pyro Pulse Podcast. And we have the Pyro Heavy podcast that you guys know with guys like D-Rex, Stag Party, Houdini, and sometimes Waz will be on that. The first Pyro Pulse podcast, that'll be recorded on Monday nights and it'll be coming out probably on Tuesday mornings. So that's obviously not going to include any of the Monday night action that we hit. And that's just to get you guys something on Tuesday when you have to... F- put those waiver wire claims in or you that, that fab money that's to give you something i'm gonna have some quick suggestions it's gonna be a 20 to 25 minute show so real quick i'm gonna talk about some of the standouts from the week before we're not gonna go into all of the games the guys at pyro heavy will do that if they want to but we're really looking forward towards matchups so gonna give you some of the standouts and what I see their outlook for the rest of the season, if you should go get them. And then we're just going to look at, here are some of the guys that you should look at after waiver wire runs in the next couple weeks to go. If you're Maybe if you're a QB streamer or something of that sort. But it's going to be a real quick show. And then the bulk of the shows are going to happen on Thursday night. On Thursday night, I'm going to be recording the Pyro Pulse 
two of the week, and that's going to hit Friday morning. I'm doing this because on Thursday night, that is when the injury reports come out. So we will know, we'll, or we'll have a clearer idea on who will be active in the upcoming week, rather than I was thinking about doing it Wednesday, but with injury reports coming out on Thursday, it makes a lot more sense to do Thursday. And then on Tuesday nights, the Pyro Heavy guys are going to be recording their three to four hour podcasts that go into detail about all the matchups and everything that they go over that you guys know and love. So it's going to come out as this. It's going to be Tuesday is going to be a Pyro Pulse podcast one of the week, a quick 20 minute quick hitter. On Wednesday, you're going to get the Pyro Heavy show. So you're going to get that three hours. Thursday, you're not going to get anything because I'll be recording. So you'll have Wednesday and Thursday to listen to that three-hour show. And Friday, I'm going to be hitting you with the DFS options and a little bit more detail into the matchups that I like for the upcoming week. So that's what we're looking at upcoming. I want to turn, while we're, we're on the subject of injuries, I want to turn to what I just pinned as my tweet, but I, I tweeted it out a couple days ago. There were some very, very interesting data that were figures that were pushed by, uh, let me try to find it on my Twitter. Give me a second and hopefully I will delete this in editing, but it is from playsmartplaysafe.com who's looked into the last couple of years of data and there were some really interesting things. Primarily, what they were trying to show is that as a whole, injuries are down across the league. One really interesting takeaway that I had is injuries are the least frequent on the Thursday night games. And I know everyone's aware of Richard Sherman and when he came out really bashing on the Thursday night games and how the league kind of stood their ground. They're like, oh, the Thursday night games, maybe we'll look at it, but probably not. So it looks like based on that data, the Thursday night games are here to stay. And I know we hate it because they're kind of a shit show. But based on that data, Thursday night games are staying. Some other interesting things is the data showed that the big knee injuries, the ACLs, the MCLs, the torn patellas, all of those are down across the last couple of years. And so are concussions. So this data, it seemed like it's uh, the NFL really patting its own back, but because it's from this PlaySmartPlaySafe.com, it's not directly from NFL.com. You can think maybe it's third party, probably not, but that's the data that they're going to really be referring to throughout the year when they talk about trends. That being said, I'm going to talk about the injuries and the injury reports. Injury reports are typically going to come out on Thursday. At the end of day, the teams on Thursday, if they're not playing Monday night or on Thursday, they're required to submit their injury report, but not who is active for the game. But that injury report is going to tell us a lot about what's coming up that week. So Thursday, go to NFL.com slash injuries to look at it yourself. And on the Pyro Pulse show number two of that week, I will be going through all of that. So let's dive into some week one things. The first thing I want to talk about is DFS. My suggestion for DS, DFS is to just not play it week one. Week one can be a shit show, as I said, and it's where the teams, they, they really figure out who's up to the game and who's not. I mean, they had the preseason game, so that was, they really had limited snaps or limited shares of 
data that they can run through to see who's playing their best. So you're going to see a lot of blown coverages. You're going to see a lot of confused younger players and rookies out there. The young rookies aren't really going to quite make their impact. I know Ezekiel Elliott last year, he had a 1,600-yard season, but he was only able to put together 50 yards, 51 or 52, I believe the exact number was, on 20 carries against the Giants last year. And that brings me to another important thing. In week one, Ezekiel Elliott will be playing. I'm sure you've heard this a million different places. The six-game suspension has been upheld. They are going to court with the uh, the temporary restraining order, the TRO. But currently, Ezekiel Elliott will be playing game one. And then it looks like he's going to be suspended for the next six games thereafter, coming back week eight. So... If you drafted Ezekiel Elliott, make sure he's in your lineup. Moving on from that, changes, and we don't really know how to sort that out yet. For instance, I'm going to look at the tight ends last season who in week one scored over 10 points. And I'll give you a second to think about how many you think there are. This is in standard scoring over 10 points. The answer is four. There are only four tight ends who scored over 10 points in standard scoring. And do you want to know who those tight ends were? They were as following. Jack Doyle scored the most points week one last year. He had 15 and a half, and that's because he had two touchdowns on 35 yards. Number two was his counterpart, Dwayne Allen. So they played against the Detroit Lions. We didn't really know at the time that the Detroit Lions weren't going to be that great against the pass, but they gave up the first and second highest tight end scoring weeks in week one. Number three was Julius Thomas against Green Bay. And number four, we go back to that same game. It was Eric Ebron against the Colts. So... And we look, at, we look at what they put out. All of these guys scored touchdowns. Nobody got over 64 receiving yards. And it really showed how touchdown-dependent tight ends are, especially in the initial weeks. So from that, we're going to say you don't really want to have any tight ends in your flex. You want to throw tight ends out there that you feel most comfortable. I'd go with who let up the most points to tight ends in the prior season just as a baseline. But we really don't know, seeing as Jack Doyle and Dwayne Allen scored the most points last year. So just go with your gut week one. Stay out of DFS because we really don't know. And let's, let's move on to some other interesting findings from week one last year. I'm going to look at the wide receivers now. We're kind of going to go in reverse positional order how we usually do. There were a lot of big games week one, so let's see this. There were four players who scored, or five players who scored over 20 points in standard. Add another, let's call it eight more who scored over 15. And then we're looking at 15 more who scored over 10. So that's 28 wide receivers with over 10 standard points. At the top of the bucket, was Brandon Cooks, Antonio Brown, and A.J. Green. No surprises there. Everyone likely had them in their roster. But the guys who finished number four were omitting five, number six, seven, eight, and nine. 
could really shock you. And this is another reason why we're saying week one, shitstorm. Stay out of DFS for week one. The number four wide receiver was Willie Sneed with 23 points due to 172 yards against the Raiders. And I know you might have been able to project that, but Willie Sneed behind Brandon Cooks, who also had a huge game, we don't really like to say two players on the same team are going to have 20-plus fantasy points from the same position. Number six, well, number five was Larry Fitz, and that's not much. Yeah, I mean, we expect Larry Fitz to do his thing. So we're not surprised by Larry Fitz coming in at five, especially early in the season. Number six was Jordan Matthews, who we had pretty high last year, but obviously not too high, and that was against the Browns. He put up about 17 fantasy points. With He went over 100 and he scored a touchdown. Who also went over 100 and scored a touchdown and finished seventh week one was Will Fuller. I doubt hardly anybody had Will Fuller in their week one lineup. Number eight, Mike Wallace went over 90 with a score. And number nine was Mohamed Sanu who went over 80 with a score, and he added a two-point conversion. So we're looking at the top nine, and I see five of them who you probably didn't have in your lineup if you went with the play your studs, which most people tell you to do. Thereafter that, 10 through 16 weren't that confusing, or weren't that surprising, rather. We're looking at Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Doug Baldwin, Kelvin Benjamin, who had that big week one, Julio Jones, Dante Moncrief, and Jeremy Macklin. Then when you look at 17 through 21 at wide receiver, these are guys that I can almost guarantee nobody had playing. And these are guys that all finished as starting wide receivers, so in that top 24. So 17 through 21 is going as follows. Chris Hogan, Eli Rogers, Nelson Aguilar, Eddie Royal, and Quincy Nunwa. As we remember, Quincy Nunwa was behind Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker at the time. Eddie Royal, I mean, nobody started Eddie Royal. Nelson Aguilar, I don't think people are even rostering Nelson Aguilar anymore. Eli Rogers was that, that slot option in Pittsburgh, and Chris Hogan was, what, the fourth or fifth wide receiver on the death chart at the time, so... Tight end and wide receiver, although we have some of the big guys finishing decently well, there are a lot of surprises in there. So, again, stick with start your studs, but if you have a gut feeling that somebody's going to have a big week, go with it. Things kind of evened out a little bit at running back. D'Angelo Williams in place of Le'Veon Bell during that suspension had a huge week one with two touchdowns, getting almost... 30 fantasy points in standard. Then we saw a big game out of C.J. Anderson coming in second. Spencer Ware is the first guy I highlighted because he really, he blew everyone away because we were all kind of expecting Jamal Charles to be able to come back from that knee injury. And then Spencer Ware jumped in and stole the job. I know that's what everyone is expecting from Kareem Hunt this year, but I'm not ready to jump on board Kareem Hunt being a definite running back one or a sure thing running back two to start the season. I think there are going to be some growing pains for Kareem Hunt, even though he does have Andy Reid, who is debatably the best coach for running backs. Then we look at number four, Theo Riddick. And Theo Riddick was the running back two in Detroit last year. 
And then you look down a couple spots. Amir Abdullah finished seventh. Both of those guys went for over 18 fantasy points. And you wonder, like, do you expect two guys over 18 fantasy points in the same backfield? No, that's not what you're expecting. So, again, the, the running backs are a little more clear. You have Carlos Hyde, David Johnson. You had Danny Woodhead, who people liked preseason before the injury. And then Melvin Gordon came in right after him. So, you have two guys in the same backfield. You had Theoretic at four, Amir Abdullah at seven, Danny Woodhead at eight, Melvin Gordon at nine. So it might be smarter with running backs to just go with the matchup that you think is best, but those Charger, those Charger running backs, they did it against Kansas City. Nobody really sees Kansas City as a, a defense that you can really run on effectively. So... Again, kind of a shit show. And we look at some other guys who finish in the top 20. You see Jalen Richard coming in at 12. Ryan Matthews coming in at 14. And Mike Clay's favorite guy, Jeremy Langford, coming in at 18. The rest of the guys are guys who you'd expect, or at least may have expected at that time. And quarterback is the one where we really have some traction on. So other than Alex Smith, who boosted his score finishing third at quarterback last year since he had that rushing touchdown. You remember how he scampered in that game? And then you see Andy Dalton down at 14 and Brock Osweiler. Whew, I don't even want to say his name at 16. Those were the only ones that really stood out. And the Dalton one, he had a bad game. If it wasn't for those two big plays by A.J. Green where he toasted Daryl Revis, he would be significantly lower. So A.J. Green had like 180 yards and a score that game. That really boosted up Andy Dalton to get to his where he ended up at 21 fantasy points. So you really want to stay away from DFS week one. That's my suggestion. But if you are going to play, I would do it based on the matchups. Because we don't have any fantasy points allowed for this season, which is really the data that matters, I would defer to Vegas. So we look at the Vegas implied odds, but I'm just going to look at the spreads for now. So who are these favorable matchups that we're looking at? We're looking at Thursday night. New England is around a nine-point favorite. So you say, obviously Tom Brady's a a must-start, but you might want to throw in one of those Gillisley or Burkhead plays because they should be up. They could be pounding pounding the rock down in in just garbage time. So they could have inflated stats. You look at this is the really surprising one, and I took a little shot at PK Ripper earlier. But the Jets game versus the Bills in Buffalo, there is a ten point favorite in this game, and I'm sure you can guess who that is. It's the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if it should be. Tyrod Taylor just cleared the concussion protocol, so he should be starting. He was named the starter today, but we don't know for sure. But that's a game where, I mean, yeah, LaShawn McCoy is the only guy you really want to start there. Maybe say Tyrod rushing the ball because you don't really like him passing to a Zay Jones as the wide receiver one, and a Jordan Matthews as an injured wide receiver one. I'm staying away from that game at all costs. I'm not playing any Jets, to be honest. And 
If I watch that game, it'll only be for one reason. And I'm going to show you guys the clip of week one. Potentially my favorite call of all time. And who will be calling the Jets game? Let's take a listen to Kevin Harlan's week one call from last year. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes They're coming the blue from coats. the left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. And that might be one of the best calls of all time definitely is in my book but uh moving on from that so buffalo's favored by 10 atlanta has a pretty heavy heavy favor at seven points over chicago but i'm gonna give you a contrarian play you want to put money on the bears in this game you want to take the spread 70 percent of the time since 2000 the team that loses the super bowl does not cover the spread so I'm going with the Bears on that one. Uh, looking down through the game, some more 10 o'clock games. Cincinnati's only favored by two and a half, so you don't really have any, any real leverage on that one against Baltimore. You see the Pittsburgh Steelers favored by 10 against Cleveland. That's a game you really want to get Le'Veon Bell specifically. He might be worth paying up his DFS price if you do choose to play. But he should have a really big game. The Cardinals in Detroit. The Cardinals are favored by one point. They started getting one point, so we saw that little movement. But that's not that's nothing to act upon. Tennessee favored by one and a half as Oakland is coming to town. That's not enough to make any decisions based on. Again, the Tampa Bay game has been postponed until week 11. But Tampa Bay was giving up two and a half to Miami in Miami as that one stood. But again, that one is postponed to week 11. So definitely, definitely check your lineups to make sure you don't have anyone in on that one. It won't matter if the game starts tomorrow and you don't catch it, but definitely go check because you don't want to start week one with a zero burger. And then moving on, Philadelphia and Washington is even. Houston is favored by five and a half against Jacksonville. That's enough to act on. And that's enough to go Lamar Miller on. So I kind of like Lamar Miller, despite Jacksonville's defense being significantly improved and adding A.J. Boye. I think they could be kind of a a stick-to-the-run game, especially with Savage and or Watson if we see him. So the Houston running game and uh, a sneaky play could be Deonta Foreman getting some of that goal line work. He could sneak in with one. The Rams are favored by four as the Colts are coming. And this is largely due to Scott Tolzien getting the nod. Andrew Luck officially out for week one. So if you are rostering Andrew Luck, throw him on the IR if you have one. Open up that slot and go grab somebody for week one for sure. Moving on. This is a really interesting game because Green Bay is giving up three points to Seattle in Green Bay. But I'm liking Seattle in this game. They improved their defense by going out and trading for Sheldon Richardson of the Jets. 
And I think Eddie Lacy could do really well. This is a revenge game for him. We always like playing the revenge guys. So Eddie Lacy could be a sneaky play if you're in a hole at running back, especially because Thomas Rawls has been injured and dealing with injury. Although I did see that he is back and at 100%. He had a full practice today. But Eddie Lacy, keep that one in mind. And then we look at... Carolina is going to San Francisco, and they're favored by five and a half. That's enough to play Jonathan Stewart in your flex. And I'm really liking Christian McCaffrey in this one. He could get off to a really fast start against a really bad defense from last year. We'll see what John Lynch and Shanahan can do on that side of the ball. But they were a really tough defense last year. or They were not a tough defense. It was rough having them as your defense last year. Hi, Asha. We're looking at Dallas. Dallas is favored by four points. And this is the, the Sunday night game against the Giants. This game will have Ezekiel Elliott, but Odell Beckham is still questionable for this game. He said he's hopeful to play, but definitely not a sure thing. And then we look at the Monday night game. So those are really the DFS plays. And then the Monday night game, again, so there are two of them. So there are only, what, 12 games, if I'm counting that correct, 11 games on the Saturday slate for DFS. So that's another reason to not play DFS this week is because of the limited games. The first game on Monday night is going to be New Orleans visiting Minnesota. Minnesota favored by three. And this is the game that Adrian Peterson circled on his calendar. He's a saint now. He's playing against his old team. This is a revenge game. I like Peterson as a flex play. Ingram is obviously the starter, and he's going to be the more consistent back season long in that backfield. But AP could be a solid flex play this week. And then the last game of the week, the Chargers are visiting Denver. And this is something that I hope none of you did, but I did. I drafted Andrew Luck in my home league, and then I looked to my tiers. I waited a couple of rounds. I think I got him late. I got him in like the ninth round. And then when the 12th, 13th round came back around, I looked at my quarterbacks. I picked. I looked at my tiers. I picked the highest one, which was Phillip Rivers. And I did not look at the matchup. He's playing against the number one secondary in the league. I know they lost TJ Ward to Tampa Bay. But they still have two of the top five corners in the league in Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib. I do not like that matchup. So the first thing I did was I went out and I added Sam Bradford against the Saints. So that gave me the opportunity to wait till Monday for that for picking between those two. And I really like that move. If you did make that same mistake that I did, I'm going to give you... My quarterback streams of the week. You should have already drafted the guy you plan on streaming, but if you made a mistake like I did, got way too into the draft, picked the wrong guy. I'm not going to say Rivers is the wrong guy. I still think he'll have a great season, but just not an ideal situation for me week one. So I'm going to look at some of these quarterback streamers. And I'm going to be commonly, commonly looking at these streamers each week So I'll get into my method because I go based on a confidence, but I'll say right now I'm using ESPN, uh, their ownership patterns. If you guys would like me to include any other host sites, 
just reach out to me on Twitter at pyro underscore heartbeat and just ask me to include them. I'll try to add them as many times as I can going forth in the season. So I'm saying under 25% is the required amount for being a streamable option. And what I see of that is there are 12 starting quarterbacks under 25%, and they're all in the teens or lower. So I think the highest one is Jay Culler at 13, and I'm going to give you my order right now. I know I said I added Sam Bradford. That's because I have the most confidence in him, but this is my new metric, which takes into impact the, uh, the matchup. So my number one streamer for week one is Mike Glennon against the Falcons. And this is largely because of what I said, that Super Bowl hangover that I see coming in, in, in Atlanta. They could have a rough game, and who knows? Chicago su- could surprise them. They could win that game. Second, I have Brian Hoyer. And then third is Sam Bradford. Fourth, fifth, and sixth is who you're really stretching for. And I have Deshaun Kaiser, who I think he's going to have a pretty slow start, just like we saw from Dak Prescott had a slow start last year, even though he had a great season. So Deshaun Kaiser, number four against Pittsburgh. Then I have Jay Cutler, five, and Tom Savage, six. The remaining streamable quarterbacks were Trevor Simeon, Blake Bortles, Josh McCown, Alex Smith, Jared Goff, and Joe Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco was the lowest on my confidence level. I'm going to just say this as a blanket rule. If a quarterback is dealing with back problems, if any player is dealing with back problems, you want to stay away from that player. He does not have a great matchup going to Cincinnati, which is a a division rival. So Joe Flacco, I'm completely fading. He is my lowest rated starter for week one. So Mike Glennon, number one, Hoyer two, Bradford three, Kaiser four, Cutler five, and Savage six, if it gets to that, their ownerships are as following. So in that group of the six that I said to stream, Cutler is the highest at 13.2, and then I'm going to go in my order. So Glennon's ownership on ESPN is 1.2%, so he is there in basically every league. Brian Hoyer is available in all but 3.3% of those leagues. Bradford in... 11.3, so people are starting to adjust to that. I'm sure uh, J.J. Zacharyson has Sam Bradford as his stream of the week. Um, I heard Matt Kelly is rolling with Bradford week one. He drafted him and is rolling with the stream. So if you want to go out and get Bradford, I would act quickly because the market is going to shift on that one. And then Kaiser has an ownership of 6.6. Cutler, 13.2 as I said before. And Savage slash Watson is at 7.5. So all these guys are really, really low. I'm not going to give you those 40 to 50% ownership guys because I hear other, other podcasts and other sites doing out there, which are, they're great podcasts, don't get me wrong. But those guys that are in the 50 or even 40, 50, 60%, if you play in a real league, they're not available because so many people do the, the draft and never look at that team again because it's a, one of those live drafts where they jump right into the, the draft lobby that if it's above 25%, I, I think 25% is the real 50% for competitive leagues. So that's the reasoning behind them. That being said, I hope you guys were able to digest this information. 
Good luck with everybody's week one. I know we're all excited. And I'm so excited about being a Jet. I'm uh, so excited about meeting my teammates, and I'm very, very excited about it. They said I was a Jet, so I was really excited about that. All right, I'm excited. I was excited about it, and that was exciting for me, and that would be exciting for me. So I'm excited to be a Jet, and I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to be a Jet, but I think the exciting thing, so I think it's just exciting. I'm excited about the opportunity. He was excited, and he was excited about working with me, and I'm excited about working with him. Yeah, I'm excited about that opportunity. I'm excited about working with Coach Kavanaugh. So I'm excited about that. You know, I'm excited about my...